This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's Take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. Good afternoon or morning, whatever you want to call it, Acadiana. Welcome everyone to Under the Dome with a CD on Acadiana Sports Station 103.7 The Game. The must most listened to sports talk show on a Saturday morning in Acadiana on Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com, and also around the world on the free mobile app presented by Visit Avery Island. If you're out taking one of your last vacations before school starts, you need to be able to have that mobile app ready to go. That way you can listen to us wherever. In the world you are. You can be with Carmen San Diego and you'll be able to still listen to us over on our free mobile app. Also, of course, if you have a laptop and you're able to pull up the website 1037thegame.com, I'd recommend that as well. That's not half bad of a way to do things. To start off a Saturday morning, let me talk to you. Because we are live, as always, from the 237 Roof Studios, presented by Lafayette Roofing. From the roof to the roots of Acadiana, these guys got you covered. Just call them up at 237-ROOF, 237-7663. That's the number to call them. The number to call us is the Co Equipment Hotline, and that's 337-706-0111. I want this phone line lighting up, people. Because it is the most wonderful time of the year. Training camp underway. We're getting that much closer to football being 100% back in our lives. Games that actually matter. We got that going on. The NFL Hall of Fame game was just this past, just this past Thursday. Hall of Fame induction ceremony tonight. Three Louisiana natives. And we've got so much to get to. Training camp started. Training camp has already been underway for the New Orleans Saints. Michael Thomas secured the bag. We want your calls. Or but me, I want your calls. 337-706-0111. I want to see that thing lighten up because I have plenty of time to be able to give you an opportunity to get your shots up. Because we've only got three guests today, and they're at a little bit different times than normal. I'll give you the details. I'll give you the lowdown on what what's going down with today's program in just a little bit. But first things first, as we always like to do every Saturday, I talked about some of the stuff that's going on this weekend. Have a, little, have a little fun and deep dive into what's going on in the world of sports this weekend and give you an idea of what's on tap. The weekend is finally upon us. Oh, hell yeah! Pull up a bar stool and let's get you informed about what's on tap right now. First things first, we got to talk about it. Training camp underway. LSU and the Cajuns report to camp. They're getting ready for practice. Numero dos, number two, for those who don't know, Espanol. But we got a lot of that going on. LSU and the Cajuns report to camp. Saints are already at camp, but I feel like LSU and the Cajuns deserve a lot of the spotlight because we gave a lot of it last week 
to the New Orleans Saints, and we'll continue to do so on this program because, well, when you have when you're one game away from going to the Super Bowl last year and a pass interference call kind of cost you that, you had to deserve a lot of run this year, a lot of hype surrounding them. But of course, talking season it is now officially over. Sure, the coaches are still talking, but guess what? Practice is underway. The pads aren't on yet for these two teams. But guess what? The pads are on for the New Orleans Saints. Give you some thoughts on that in a little bit. But, of course, talking season over. LSU Cajuns officially reporting to camp. And we're going to start off looking at the purple and gold, the LSU Tigers. And the only real big storyline, obviously, Dante Starks, he's not part of training camp due to restrictions. They're going to allow him to be part of training camp. I believe it's academic ineligibility. And then you also have D. Anderson. This came out yesterday. From Coach O, suspended until the, he passes his conditioning test. So it's safe to say the wide receiver may not be in the best shape in the world when it comes to being a solid and reliable wide out for Joe Burrow and the rest of this program. But there's gonna be it's gonna be a fun it's gonna be a fun training camp to say the least because there's so much hype surrounding this team. It's obviously national championship or bust for some people. I think college football playoff or bust is about where the majority of people are. There's those diehards that every year is national championship or bust, but college football playoff or bust, I feel like, is the bar that needs to be set. Because, again, what do you have to do to do that? You've either got to go 12-0 and or lose one game, and that one game possibly could be Alabama, and you still possibly wind up getting into it. It's all about what you do with those other games. you got Florida, Texas A&M. Texas, those three games are going to wind up being triple-ups for them. I guarantee you, week two ain't going to be a cakewalk. Week one, you have Georgia Southern, who just wound up suspending their quarterback indefinitely in shy words, and also another, it was a star defensive player. So that's something to kind of keep an eye on if you're a fan of the, the Sunbelt Conference with Georgia Southern. They're going to take a step back, and I believe when I put out my standings last week, I actually put them towards the bottom of the rankings in the East and if that if the suspension holds for the rest of the year, because again, like the dude got busted for coke, like that's just not exactly going to wind up being able to wipe it under the rug whenever you get busted for for some Colombian candy. Let's just go with let's just put it that way. And then you have obviously the other big thing is you have two players wearing the number eighteen. I'll put that on the side. It's in the cupboard. We're going to take it out whenever it's time to talk about those two players in Caleb Chasson and Lloyd Cushenberry. By the way, two great players. When I, we talked to Lloyd Cushenberry during SEC Media Days. It was absolutely just great to hear the energy. The guys got a lot of enthusiasm for this program, a lot of enthusiasm for Coach Joe and how he's a player's coach. I might run that back before the show's over. Probably one. Like I said, it's in the cover. It's on tap. I'll talk about that in the second hour to lead things off. And then, of course, another thing, Dennis Johnson. He won't be able to coach on the field due to him breaking both of his legs playing basketball. Pop ball right there. But it actually gives Coach Joe more of an opportunity to be involved with the defensive line. And I think it helps that I'm, I'm more involved with the defensive line. So now I'm accountable for them stepping wrong. I'm accountable for them not being uh, in the right gap. You know, and, and all the coaches go through that. But that, that's where you practice. And we put so much in that there's going to be some mistakes uh, after we 
the first week we don't put as much in. Guys are going to start repeating stuff. That's what camp's about. That's why it takes a while. Think stuff. That's what camp's about. That's why it takes a while to get ready to play a game. I like what Coach O said right there. But again, it's great to see him be more focused on this defensive line because he's talked about it. And everybody agrees. When it comes to the SEC, the key to victory is going to be the battle in the trenches, especially when you're playing against the monster among men that is the Alabama Crimson Tide. You can't win if you don't have your defensive line 100% on point against the Crimson Tide, let alone teams like Florida, like A&M. Again, I'm bringing up those two other games as a prime example of trip-up games. Yes, Texas A&M is going to be at Tiger Stadium, but you got to think that there is a lot of residual hate from last year's game and that, that is definitely going to wind up eating in the back of their mind, and they're going to be thinking about that maybe a little bit too hard instead of focusing on trying to get that dub. I would love to see it, but I have to say it's going to wind up being a really good season for LSU, and I, I think they're going to wind up pulling off some unthinkable upsets this year because of everything they have coming back and everything that's coming in from the recruiting trail because they have a lot of great talent, Apuaika, even Cardell Thomas. Cardell Thomas has apparently lost a ton of weight, and he looks so much better, so much leaner. I think that's a huge step in the right direction for LSU to have these guys. And you're, as Coach Joe put it at his meeting with the Rotary Club earlier this week, they are now three deep at every position, including the offensive line. They weren't able to be three deep on the offensive or defensive lines last year, and that was a big point of emphasis is now you have that opportunity to do so. And I absolutely love that. But, of course, there's one other program we cover here on 103.7 The Game, and that is the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. They won a training camp in the books as well. They practiced last night, and that was just really cool stuff. But what really is interesting, just thinking about it with the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, is obviously the season didn't end the way they wanted it to. And Mark Hockey, the strength and conditioning coach, put it best, and I absolutely just love the way that he put it and I'm going to play it for you right now. Yeah, that's a great question. I'm glad you brought that up. I kind of had mentioned belief and confidence. You know, especially for me, I had never competed in the Sun Belt uh, Conference. So being able to be eye level with the other teams and the other competitors in this league from a coaching perspective, and then even with the players to be eye level and be in that conference championship last year and be in a pretty close game towards the end of that uh, fourth quarter, I think it, it creates a certain type of hunger. And if you're a competitor, you want another chance at that. And obviously we can't get a second chance at last year, but I think we have, we have that opportunity in front of us with what we do this year. And I think that that's going to be a chip on our shoulder uh, individually as uh, competitors on the team, but even as an organization, it's kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth. You know, we have uh, – West Championship banner up in the indoor, to me, that's a reminder that we didn't finish the way we wanted to finish, and we didn't accomplish everything that we were after last year. That is the way you want to hear it from your head coach, or one of your strength and conditioning coaches, that the Sun Belt West Championship thing that's inside the facility, that's looked at as a failure. And that is amazing to hear from one of the members of the coaching staff, and it's great to hear because when you can't, it's the old saying where you are what you eat. You eat garbage, you're going to be 
feeling like garbage, and you're going to wind up being very complacent. You're going It's that same kind of mentality, and the culture that the Cajuns have is they're not settling for, oh, hey, it's great that we won this, but guess what? We are going to try our behinds off. We're going to work our behinds off to become better and win that 10 pounds of gold that's going to be given to us when we win the Sunbelt Conference title, win a bowl game. We're going to officially start moving forward, and that's a great thing to hear from Mark Hockey, the strength and conditioning coach. But, of course, the other big storyline when it comes to the Raging Cajuns outside of Cole Perdue, who's going to be the next man up from the center position, is who's the starting quarterback? Because it feels like, of course, Levi Lewis is the undisputed number one starting quarterback as camp has jump-started. Everybody's all in on Levi Lewis being the starter, and I understand that. The guy's a hell of a talent. This is probably going to be his last year because, if I'm not mistaken, he's going to be graduating very soon. I think he was saying like whenever he was first started with UL was that he was only going to be there for three years. He didn't care about a red shirt. That was why he wound up getting a lot more starts in 2016 and caused that quarterback carousel to go really wacky. And it was, That was a weird year. That being said, though, of course, we got to bring it up. Billy Napier talked about his expectations for Levi Lewis. Well, I think he just... I've had an opportunity to observe him work for probably four or five more months, you know, just to see how he's attacked this offseason. I think the, he did get quite a bit of experience, and I think that proved to be very beneficial. Uh, certainly played a little bit that first year he was here. Uh, but second year in the system, uh, just playing much faster. You know, anticipates better. Um, I think he's processing quicker. He's He's gotten a lot smarter. He's acquired so much knowledge. I think he has a good grasp of what the other side of the ball is doing to him. Um, and that leads to better decisions, better anticipation process quicker. Now he's more accurate. Uh, he's always been a really good athlete. He's always had plenty of arm talent. Uh, and he's always been one of the most respected players on, on the entire team. So you take those things, and then now we have had a year to kind of study and adapt to, to maybe some things that we can do to feature him. And he's got good competition around him. You know, it always makes us better. So, uh, very pleased with Levi. Certainly had a great summer. Took ownership of our team. A lot of optional uh, activities where the quarterback really decides how well that's going to go. So, uh, he's better, and, he, and he's going to keep getting better. And, of course, the other thing going on this weekend, definitely a light weekend in the world of sports. I think a couple weeks from now you'll have soccer going on. I'm looking forward to that. EPL is about to get underway. Go, man, you. But, of course, the NFL Hall of Fame is tonight, and we got three Louisiana Hall of Fame inductees, and I'm talking about three of them, Kevin Mawai, Johnny Robinson, and Ed Reed. We'll go one at a time here, rapid fire. Mawai, obviously, Leesville's finest, one of the greatest Wampus Cats of all time, and also spent some time at LSU, and spent the bulk of the time in the NFL with the Jets and the Titans after being drafted by Seattle back in the early 90s. And now we're going to hear a soundbite from him talking about how he won't change after the Hall of Fame. The coolest thing now is being introduced as Pro Football Hall of Famer Kevin Mawai. It's not going to change who I am. It's not going to change what I think about the game or what the game has done for me. It's an overwhelming feeling to kind of grasp I'm one of a very elite few. And I have to love this. This is coming from Scott Rabelais of The Advocate. He actually wound up talking to Kevin Mawai's wife and basically said that they're never get, buying him another suit after he gets his jacket tonight. 
is why would you? The only exception is if he get, if she gets invited to a wedding, you don't want to wear the jacket and outsh- outshine the bride, which I find fantastic. And also, Johnny Robinson, former LSU Tiger himself, and Billy Cannon are one of the few players that have ha- that have played in all ten years of the AFL and also part of the NFL. Long deserved honor for him, and he said he's honored to be inducted in the Hall of Fame all these years later. The brotherhood of football, it, it doesn't stop. It carries over for a lifetime. I'm really honored to be in this elite bunch wearing a fellowship that can't be broken. It's difficult to tell you how thrilled I am to be inducted. And then the final one, Ed Reed, former Miami Hurricane by way of Destrahan High School. He was a key cog to the Ravens' stalwart defense in the 2000. I mean, obviously, a lot of that was established thanks in large part to Ray Lewis. But you have to admit, Ed Reed was definitely a huge part of that, along with guys like Terrell Suggs. I mean, that that Ravens defense had been phenomenal for a long, long time. And now you saw some of those cogs go away. Again, like Terrell Suggs, Ray Lewis, and now Ed Reed. He's inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame. And here's him talking about his favorite memory. Winning the Super Bowl in New Orleans for the city of Baltimore is special. You know, I mean, I, I couldn't think of a better ending of a script with an organization. You know, to leave New Orleans after Katrina, you know, we was the team, the last team to play in the Superdome after Katrina and the first team to play in the Super Bowl after Katrina. So that's pretty special. And me being from New Orleans, no, nah, it don't get any more special than that. That is amazing stuff right there. Going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break. Come back. Talk about the New Orleans Pelicans and some announcements about their 2019-2020 schedule. I think you might want to mark down on your calendar. We'll be back with more after this on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game. Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make your rules and we will break them. Let's get back to the famous CD who will break it all down for us. Yeah. On 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Coming up in just a few minutes, we've got Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports coming on to the program. Talk a little college football, big storylines heading into training camp, and a whole lot more. 11.15, we're bringing on the good brother Chris Gordy. Talking a little Houston Astros at the trade deadline, making some million-dollar moves, playing some four-dimensional chess in my mind. We're talking to him about that at 11.15. And we usually have Ross Jackson on at 11.30. Might be on a tarmac. So we're going to wait till 11.40. It'll be the last segment of the show. And we're going to go along with them because there's a lot of things to talk about, obviously. Mike Thomas, training camp observations, what's next when it comes to Michael Thomas. I'll talk about that at 11.30 as well. Don't you worry. But that's just what's coming up for the rest of the program because I forgot to get to it. I want to go on a little long with the opening segment. Got just enough time to give you an idea of what I was talking about when it comes to the New Orleans Pelicans and some schedule leak came out yesterday. But before we do that, the Warriors extended Draymond Green with, to a four-year, $100 million extension. The Golden State Warriors re-signed Draymond Green a exorbitant amount of money, four years, 
$100 million. That's $25 million a year. Of course, that's if it all is doled out evenly. Uh, odds are probably won't be more front-loaded. Possibly you wind up getting a pretty decent guarantee on that $100 million. And the NFL and the NFL Players Association stares down the NBA with like a 1,000-yard stare and just looks at them. It's like it's ridiculous how much money they're paying for star players while the NFL continually gets shamed because of the fact that they signed these star players like a Michael Thomas, $200 million deal, and everybody's just got to look at that as being the worst thing possible to pay a wide receiver that kind of money. Only quarterbacks can get that kind of money. It really tells you a lot about the state of the league. But, of course, I'll talk about that again, 1130. Make sure you're listening to hear my full thoughts on it. Because I think Michael Thomas is well worth it. If you checked out 1037game.com, did a whole column on that. And now i got to bring up the New Orleans Pelicans in the middle of August because of the fact that they did this. Or better yet, Woj dropped a bombshell yesterday with the Christmas Day slate of games being leaked. No tip time at this time, but I definitely have to say a lot of this probably has to do with the power of Zion Williamson. Pels and Nuggets are going to face off on opening day. This will be a road game, and apparently more likely than not, it'll either be the 8 o'clock or the 10 o'clock game. Obviously, it's going to be your Eastern time, so 7 and 9 p.m. game. So it'll be either your evening game after you kind of catch a movie or a double feature like I probably will. Don't know what I'm going to watch yet because maybe Star Wars. Maybe Star Wars again. But you have that going on. A lot of that has to do with Zion Williamson. But what everybody's talking about, what I really want to talk about and dive into long form is AD's return to NOLA, November 27th, 2019. This will be his first game back in the Crescent City. And you got to think about it. This is the night before Thanksgiving, and it is going to be the craziest four days in sports. Now, why am I saying that? I'll explain to you in a minute. Just think about it. Not only is Thanksgiving that Thursday, Wednesday, you have AD returns to NOLA. Everybody and their mama is going to want to watch this game, be it at the Smoothie King Center, at the Big Blender, or at home, preparing last-minute things, getting ready, prepping the turducken to be cooked, preparing all that stuff to be cooked, uh, turkey, turducken, whatever you love. I have to say, looking forward to that one. And then you've got Thursday night. Thursday night football. If you're not going to go Black Friday shopping, this is going to be a great game to kind of watch. Saints-Falcons. That's going to be, oh, I, I am looking forward to that one because it's always, that's the top rivalry in all of football in my mind. It's coming from a biased perspective, but bottom line is, that rivalry is it tells you a lot about the nfc south because that is just pure blood hatred of the atlanta falcons it's a bigger deal than a lot of the other rivalries that we've seen in the past especially when you look at the bears and the packers sure it's the more iconic rivalry because it's been around forever but this one has just deep-seated hatred it's always competitive and then saturday if you're a cajuns fan i believe you've got the ulm game that night, that's going to be Cajun Field. Then you also have LSU, Texas A&M at Tiger Stadium. Tell me the salt is not going to be real in the state of Louisiana over those four days. That's not even counting high school football because we don't know what's going to happen. That could be 
semifinals, quarterfinals. You can have rivalry games there. We're going to get go ahead and take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Steve Lassen will be talking some college football next on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. The famous CD is a five-tool player of sports talk. He can talk about a lot of different things, even some soccer. You Manchester United supporters, sing the Manchester United song. Okay, maybe not soccer. Back to Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Live, as always, from the 237 Roof Studios. And we're going to move on over to the Ardco Equipment Hotline to get down and dirty when it comes to college football. Talking season, it's over. That means the pads are getting ready to be put on. Not quite just yet, especially with LSU. They're a couple days into fall camp the cajuns as well as long as it pertains to this area we'll cover it but of course i don't mind getting a little bit of a national perspective as well that's why we're going to go over to it, the Artco equipment hotline we're about a 30 like 29 days or so away from the start of college football season officially week one we'll talk about week zero as well with our next guest though and that is steve lassen of athlon sports he's on the Artco equipment hotline what's going on brother Hey, Clint, it's good to talk with you. You know, we've got uh, the NFL preseason is back. I know it's just preseason, but it's yep. good to have football back and college football less than 25 days away till week zero. So uh, it's looking up for us college football fans. It is looking up indeed. Cannot wait for it. And, of course, before we kind of start talking about what's been going on with LSU, uh, these notable storylines heading into the season for all these programs, I want to start off, with SEC Media Days. I was able to go to SEC Media Days a few weeks ago, and I wanted to get your thoughts on Greg Sankey's opening statement because there was a lot of big takeaways, obviously. He talked about gambling. He talked about the transfer portal. He also talked a lot about mental health, which is probably the thing that stuck out most to me. But what stuck out most in your mind from Greg Sankey's opening statement at Media Days? You know, I, I always think that Greg Sankey is a pretty thoughtful guy, and I think, you know, I, I second your thought on the mental health aspect and just how important that has become, and I think more of an awareness that teams and programs are starting to make, and, and I think that's certainly a step in the right direction. You know, the SEC has so many things that it can spike the football on, you know, the, the best conference in college football. Certainly Alabama fell short of winning the national championship last year, but Greg Sankey just, I think, always just kind of a big picture, very, um, very thoughtful. Um, I think a very comprehensive opening statement, and I think you know, as, as most, he kind of developed the themes throughout the conference commissioners that you know, everyone is concerned about gambling, everyone's trying to figure out the transfer portal. I think long term in college football, everyone's still trying to figure out the playoff and, and upcoming TV deals. So. I think some things to, to watch on the horizon, but certainly, you know, the, the the gambling and the transfer portal really stuck out to me because it was a theme uh, among the other conferences too. Definitely going to be interesting to see what happens with the SEC, especially like with the gambling. And obviously, the big thing in this area has been the talk of beer being able to be sold 
at the stadiums, Tiger Stadium, already all in on that action. And I want to start off with LSU before we kind of go into more of a national perspective of things and just get your thoughts on LSU's monolith of a facility, $20 million invested into these pods, a almost simulation-type room for walkthroughs. I want to get your thoughts on that. You know, the first thing is I want one of those sleep pods in my yes. office. So if, if you can do anything to make that happen, I would really appreciate it. I think I need <laughs> uh, it first. Yeah, I mean, hey, you know, I could use one of those during the day just to take a quick nap or, or read a book or something. But, man, I mean, what a first-class facility for LSU's football program. And, you know, when you think about college football, I mean, you, you, know, you see the, the last 10 to 15 years and television deals and, and money and all that. You know, it's an arms race. It's an arms race to build the nicest facilities in terms of practice and locker rooms and everything like that. But, you know, when I saw the pictures, I mean, I was blown away just how nice it was and, and what, a, like I said, a first-class facility for LSU. It, it's got to be up there among the best in the nation. I'm talking right now with Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports, and I have to agree, especially about those pods. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to convince Delta Media to basically try and find the person who designed those and put those inside the 237 roof studios. I would absolutely love that, and I'd probably wind up staying here just a little bit more after Under the Dome wraps up on a Saturday afternoon. But, of course, flipping back over to what LSU is going to start the season off against, and that is Georgia Southern. They announced on Friday that two of their star players, including quarterback Shy Wirtz, they're suspended indefinitely, obviously going to be out for their opener against LSU. But how much does this affect the stock of Georgia Southern, a program that is coming off of a phenomenal 10-3 and season last year, being without a guy like Shy Wirtz especially? You know, it's huge because when you look at the top of the Sun Belt for this season, you know, I really think there are five teams that can win it. And Georgia Southern is in the conversation. They had such a, a you know, as you mentioned, a, a great rebound last season in Chad Lunsford's first year. And Shy Wirtz is really the guy that makes that option offense go. And, you know, not to mention, you know, running for over 900 yards um, was one of the, you know, is the team's top returning leading uh, in terms of rushing. But, you know, I guess the, the thing that I take away from this, too, is when I look at their early season schedule, they get LSU in Minnesota before they play Louisiana on September 28th. So, you know, it, it, his status is going to loom large because in a tight division battle, um, you know, when you play Louisiana, then you have to go to South Alabama in the second Sunbelt game. You know, Georgia Southern can't get too far behind. So, not only is he important to the execution of that option offense, but when you have to go on the road and play two power five teams, one of the top ten in college football in LSU, and then Louisiana, one of the top Sunbelt teams, um, that's a pretty difficult stretch. So uh, already facing a difficult schedule and some early setbacks could really hurt for Georgia Southern. Talk right now with Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports. And we're going to stick with the Sunbelt for a minute. Steve, and one of the big things, obviously, Raging Cajuns, year two under Billy Napier, high expectations after last year, winning the West Division. If I'm not mistaken, y'all picked Louisiana to finish second in the Sun Belt Saints. I don't have the book right in front of me, but I'm almost certain that's where y'all pegged them at, second in the West. I want to get your thoughts on why, because I feel like, for the most part, I agree with y'all when it comes to being in second place, but how much of that has to do with that Arkansas State game being at Jonesboro based off the trend of the series? You know, that, that was the biggest deciding factor in our West Division predictions. When we sat down to debate Arkansas State versus Louisiana, 
we felt these two teams were incredibly close. And we, we broke, kind of look at Arkansas State is, you know, they've got the skilled talent. They've got a pretty good offensive line coming back. One of the Sun Belt's better defenses. They really just need to find a quarterback. Um, I also think when you look at their schedule, uh, they do not play Appalachian State in crossover play. I think that's pretty big considering that Appalachian State might be the best team in the league. And when you look at Louisiana's schedule, they get Appalachian State, they get them at home, but they do have to play at Georgia Southern, and there's that game against Arkansas State that's on the road. And, I, you know, I like the direction of this Louisiana program under Billy Napier, won the division title last year. I think they're definitely going to make a bowl game. I think the two questions that I have in terms of personnel, um, you know, Levi Lewis, is he the answer at quarterback? And then defense. This, this defense was eighth in the Sun Belt last year in points allowed. And that group needs to take a step forward. So, you know, I think both of these teams have personnel question marks. And when it came down to it, we gave Arkansas State a slight edge because of the, the, the fact they do not play Appalachian State and they get Louisiana at home this year. Talk right now with Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports. Moving over to a more of a national perspective, Lincoln Riley early on has said that he might not announce a starting quarterback at camp. Are you surprised at hearing that, or is this just merely kind of Riley posturing at this point because of who is in that quarterback room? I think obviously – everybody and their mama thinking Jalen Hurts is going to wind up being the starting quarterback for the Sooners. I think Lincoln Riley is a, is a pretty good poker player, at least in, in the, the word sense, because, you know, last season he said that, you know, the quarterback battle between Kyler Murray and Austin Kendall went deep into fall camp. And maybe it did, but I, I think we all thought last season that Kyler Murray was going to be the starting quarterback and I think the same thing is true this year. I would be really surprised if someone, you know, Spencer Rattler or Tanner Mordecai beat out Jalen Hurts for the starting job. I mean, Jalen, you know, Jalen Hurts wouldn't transfer to Oklahoma to be a backup quarterback because he had probably, you know, he had you know, several suitors in Power 5 schools that he could have gone to and started. I think this is just a case of Lincoln Riley playing things close keeping the competition open, most importantly, maybe so that one of those other quarterbacks doesn't transfer and leaves him shorthanded. But I think Jalen Hurts is going to start for Oklahoma, and I think he's going to have a really good season uh, because that, you know the bar is set pretty high when you have to replace Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield when they were both number one quarterbacks and Heisman Trophy winners. But I think Jalen Hurts is going to do just fine this year. I think he wound up doing just fine as well. you got to think the guy is definitely somebody you need to keep an eye on in the not-too-distant future. He'll be something to look at. But when you brought up Oklahoma, they have a chance to do some big things. Are the expectations for you still to be college football playoff or bust for an Oklahoma program? Absolutely. You know, I think when you look at Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley, there's no question they can put together a dynamic offense. They've got the skill talent. They've got one of the best receiving cores in college football, two potential 1,000-yard running backs. The big question is that offensive line. They're going to have four new starters stepping up this year. Certainly a concern, um, but Oklahoma's got talent up front. They've got one of the best offensive line coaches in college football, so not too worried there. But I think this season is going to ride on how much that defense has improved really like the addition of Alex Grinch, uh, the defensive coordinator, was at Washington State, 
than he was at Ohio State last year as an assistant. He's got that experience of building a defense for a coach who is kind of a high-powered, up-tempo guy. You know, working under Mike Leach gave him a lot of experience in, in that. So I think it comes down for Oklahoma whether or not that defense improves because we know they can score points. They played a couple close games last year. You, know, you think back to the loss at Texas, the game against West Virginia, the game against Oklahoma State, too. So they lived on the edge a little bit. And if the offense is just 5% worse, can the defense be better to keep them at 11-1? So I think it's certainly playoff or bust for this team. All the pieces are there on the offensive side. A couple more questions here with Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports. Alabama-Wisconsin announced earlier this week a home-and-home 2024 and 2025 is when these matchups are going to take place. And my question to you is this. You see these two kind of marquee matchups with name-brand programs and they're going to be a home-and-home. Home. It's not like what we've seen in the past where it's these kickoff classics that we've seen a lot done, especially when you look LSU-Wisconsin, a prime example. Are you seeing any more of a shift away from these kickoff games, or is this just an exception to the rule? You know, it's a good question. I think we will still see the kickoff classics be scheduled, especially in Atlanta before, you know, kind of as a week one thing. But, I, you know, on a personal level, I like the on-campus factor in these games. I think it makes for a much better environment. There's certainly nothing wrong with two top 10, top 15 teams playing in, in Atlanta for neutral site. But, you know, Alabama going to Wisconsin, it's kind of like when they played at Penn State, you know, some years ago. It was just it was a cool thing to see. It's like LSU going to Texas this year. So, I mean, uh, good, good for both schools for scheduling that. And I think we may see more of this going forward because schools need to boost attendance. They need to sell tickets. And the best way to do it is to schedule good games um, as much as you can in non-conference play. One more for you, Steve, before I let you go. And, of course, we got to talk about it. We're only a few weeks out from the start of the college football season, week zero, week one, whichever way you think about it. What game are you going to plop down to watch week zero or week one? You know, I have to admit, I'm going to plop myself in front of the TV all day, and I'm going to watch as yes. much as I can. So, I mean, I think on week zero, I'm really interested in Florida and Miami because, you know, Florida's offensive line against Miami's defense, really interested to see the coaching transition year two, uh, for Dan Mullen in year one for Manny Diaz. But I think the, the most important game for week one is Oregon and Auburn. You know, the Pac-12 needs a marquee victory on a national stage. They've got a shot to do it against Auburn. You know, that, that defensive line for Auburn going up against Justin Herbert and that high-scoring Oregon offense. So a good opportunity for Oregon to make a statement, but also for Auburn because Gus Malzahn sitting on the hot seat Getting off to a good start in week one uh, would certainly help alleviate some of that pressure. Steve, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We will talk to you down the road because college football season, still a lot of things to talk about. We're only a few weeks away from August 31st, and I'm looking forward to it. Hey, Clint, that sounds great. I look forward to it. And uh, see if you can work on those sweet pods for us in the meantime. Definitely, Steve. Definitely. You can follow him on Twitter, at AthlonSteve, and I'm working on that right now. I'm texting the higher-ups, and we're going to see – what we can do. Going to take a quick commercial break. Wrap up our number one with a look around the MLB. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. 
The numbers don't lie. Because when you listen to Under the Dome with CD, your knowledge of sports increases by 141 and two-thirds percent. Now, let's get back to the genetic freak of sports talk. Fat! On Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here at Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com, live from the 237 Roof Studios. And it's, of course, that time of the day. Whenever it's time to kind of look at what's going on around the world of the around the world of baseball, is we're we're nearing the thick of it. We're nearing the end game when it comes to the world of MLB. And we're going to start looking back at last night right now. The grind of baseball season is a long one, and the famous CD isn't afraid of rounding the bases on a Saturday morning. Time to play ball and touch them all, right here on 103.7 The Game. We'll start things off in the Bronx, and that is opening up a series between the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees. And Gliber Torres lets it fly with a grand slammeroonie. And the pitch swung on. There it goes to left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. It's a grand slam. This is Glaber Day. He rockets one into the left field seats deep. And the Yankees on the grand slam take a 4-2 lead. They wound up winning the ball game 6-2. to two to, oh, Excuse me, 4-2 to two was the final. My bad. I was looking at something else. But anyways, they won 4-2. to two. And after the game, Aaron Boone was impressed by James Paxton in his performance after allowing the home run early. He missed with a slider instead of, you know, a foul ball or a hard out or a base hit. It's a homer. So it's like, oh, here comes the story again. But if you're watching the game, I thought he threw the ball great. Again, I thought he came out. I thought stuff right from the get-go was good. You know, they just happened to hit a mistake over the fence. Just amazing to see what's going on with the Red Sox and Yankees. Always an intriguing matchup, to say the least, especially now that the Red Sox and Yankees both are on, I'd say, about the same level. But, of course, we got to talk about the Atlanta Braves taking on the Cincinnati Reds. And Ben Love was out there. He wound up seeing this ball game. He wound up seeing a loss for the Bravos. The pitch, swinging, fly ball, tattooed, deep right field. It's out of here, a home run. Joey Votto pulls one into the seats and right. His 11th homer of the year, and just like that, the Reds have jumped out in front of Gosman and the Atlanta Braves 2 to nothing. Joey Votto just destroying that ball and helping the Cincinnati Reds come away with a 5-2 to two win in the new SunTrust Park down in Cobb County, Georgia. Rest in peace, big boss man. That's one of the big games, that was, one of the big series that was going on, obviously, because of everything that happened at the trade deadline, Trevor slash Tyler Bauer, all that stuff going on. But, of course, you can talk about the Astros and the Mariners as well, open up their series. And, my goodness, they were hitting home runs left and right, and one of them wanted to be in Martin Maldonado. We talked about after this. 1-0 pitch is driven pretty deep. Right field going back. Malik Smith. It's gone. Maldonado. Opposite field. Home run. And the Astros lead 4 to nothing. Martin. Orale. 
Yes, indeed. How can you not love what's going on with the Houston? Oh, my goodness. The Houston Astros are just on another level right about now. Let me talk to you about what's going on with that team. Currently 71-40, and 40, leading the AL, leading the American League in wins. Eight games up on everybody else. And everybody's just playing catch-up ball. The Astros looking to be the number one seed heading into the postseason. That's absolutely tremendous news. Of course, the New York Yankees right behind them. 69, pretty nice, and 39 record. The Minnesota Twinkies right behind them at 67 and 42. But, of course, everything else, when you just look at what's going on with the NL wild card, that's where everybody's talking about. It is the NL wild card is ridiculously tough to kind of break into. I'll, I've looked at it, and it is just incredibly tough. I saw yesterday you had three teams tied for the wild card spots. Yes, you are right. Three of them. Three of them. Now it's just two, the Cubs and the Washington Nationals, with the Philadelphia Phillies being one game behind the Brewers, two games behind. So the wild card race is going to be something to keep an eye on, especially in the National League. When you look at what's going on in the AL, it feels a little bit more defined, at least in my mind. The Indians two games up in the wild card, Tampa Bay right behind them. While the Oakland A's are trying to make a push as well, currently up two games, actually a half a game back, excuse me, of the Tampa Bay race. So they have a chance to pull something off and shock the system. Going to take a quick commercial break. Be back with more. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on 103.7 The Game. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world-famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. Welcome, everyone, to our number two of Under the Dome with the CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com and also we're going to be around the world, baby, on the free 103.7 The Game mobile app presented by Visit Avery Island. So if you're going to make a little road trip, make sure you keep it handy. That way, if you're out of our listening area, if you're not really out of our listening area, you can catch us however you need to catch us through the free mobile app presented by Visit Avery Island. Trust me, it's definitely worth your time, and it's absolutely free. So what are you waiting for Check it out. And guess what? You also get the latest updates on some of the big stories in the world of sports. Whenever breaking news happens, it's going to pop up instantly on a notification. That's the really cool stuff. And also, when we get really awesome guests, like, for instance, if we ever get Ed Ozer on the program, we're making that. A, we're going to let you know when he's coming on and why you should be clicking on that bad boy. And a whole lot of other great stuff we notify you of. But, of course, just keep it locked right here on 103.7 The Game. If you just want to listen in to all the great sports talk we've got coming up 
and the Nazis as the future. Because after all, it is college football season. The NFL Hall of Fame is coming up tonight. And this is something I didn't mention earlier, is the fact that the NFL Hall of Fame is thinking of expanding to 20 people, 20 members of the NFL Hall of Fame. And I'll say this. I'm okay with it for that one year. Because 20 and 2020, it really makes a lot of sense from a marketing standpoint. I get why they want to do that. I understand it completely, and I'm all for it. That being said, I think if you do it beyond that, if you keep doing like 21 and 21, I think it just doesn't work. 20 and 20 makes sense because 2021, 2020, and also it's also the 100th year of the NFL NFL football. That's what all those promos are for, the NFL 100 commercial, which is really, really cool. Everybody talks every year about the top 100 players in the NFL. I'm sure the NFL wants to drop a list of the top 100 players of all time, and Drew Brees should finish second in that list. Just my opinion. That being said, of course, there's a lot of things going on in the world of sports. Mentioned it earlier in the hour that you have your boy, 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 my, my mind is kind of slipping me. Oh, yeah, I'm, uh, Draymond Green actually signed an extension earlier today with the Golden State Warriors. That's one of the big headlines coming out from today. And one thing that kind of popped up on my feed during the interview we had with Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports, by the way, if you missed that, we'll have that up on 1037thegame.com. It's part of our on-demand section coming up in just a little bit. But this popped up on my feed a little bit earlier. And that's about one man and one man in particular, and it is the carnival barker of all carnival barkers in Stephen A. Smith of the Four Letter Network going to be going over to the Alabama football team's training camp to talk to him, which is interesting, to say the least. And, well, i got to give credit to Aaron Suttles for bringing this up. Aaron Suttles one of the members of three-man front weekdays tended to on WJOX also writes for Alabama, writes Alabama stuff for The Athletic. And I decided, you know what? He wanted gifts, gave him the stay off the weed gift, gift because you know he's probably going to wind up saying that at one point or another because it just feels like he would do that to kind of that icebreaker, if you will, when it comes to him. But honestly, can't wait to see what's going to happen with this college football season. We're getting that much closer to it all getting jump-started, and of course, everybody's talking about fantasy football as well. That's another thing that's going on, by the way. If you haven't kept up with everything we've been talking about lately, every year we do a fantasy football league. You heard me right. Fantasy football draft parties at Twin Peaks are back, and it all starts on August the 14th with yours truly taking over the first of our drafts August the 14th. And if you want to join in on the league, you can call us up, 337-706-0111, preferably during a break because, after all, I don't have a producer anymore. I'm, more, I'm, I'm the producer. I am the host. I am the person that comes up with all the content every single Saturday. I'm the person who just talks nonstop for two hours every Saturday morning, giving you an idea of what's on tab this weekend. But guess what? Under the Dome with CD, we want you. And here's other ways you can wind up doing it. I say my DMs are always open. Follow me on Twitter at Clint Domingue, C-L-I-N-T-D-O-M-I-N-G-U-E. It is just that simple. You can follow me on there, follow me on Twitter, and leave me a direct message. 
and we'll be in touch. That's all you got to do. That is all you got to do to join in on this one because, after all, I don't have a chance to kind of take calls and get information because then I'd wind up having to give out the information on the air. And that's not how we want to do things, right? I want to give you an opportunity to be part of our league. Once again, just hit me up through the DMs. If you have must, if you have access to the special line, make sure you hit me up through that as well. Or even PM me if you're friends with me on Facebook. I want people in this league, so hit me up whenever you can. And let me know if you're down for being part of a live fantasy football draft party. Twin Peaks on Johnson with the eats, the drinks, and the scenic views. You can also put together your own draft party over there. They've got some fantastic party perks, food and drink specials, and door prizes. Also, Ben Love's going to be out there for each of the draft parties from 4 until 6, leading you up to be it Five Guys, Stories, and Lies, be it an Astros game, or whatever it is. He's going to be there from 4 to 6 p.m. My league's going to be first up. Hopefully, I can get to 12. I've only got a few days to kind of knock that out. 11 days, in fact. So hopefully we can knock that bad boy out. And then it'll be RP3 and company on the 21st. The 28th will be Bumper to Bumper Sports. And then September 4th, I can't wait for this. Jordy Holtberg will have his own draft league. Let me talk to you. And I'm looking forward to it because that's going to be right before the NFL season kickstarts. With us, it's like we're the first ones. This is the worst spot you really want to be in. But it is what it is. But make sure... You hit me up however you want to hit me up, DMs, PMs, whatever you want to do. Hell, you can send a, a telegram over our way, and I will put you in that league. But, of course, there's other things we're talking about here on Acadiana Sports Station 103.7 The Game, and that is LSU football. Obviously, training camp started yesterday, and I have to say one of the coolest things about this week is is the fact that number 18 was unveiled. And a lot of people had mixed reactions to it. I'll explain why. So you have two number 18s in Caitlin Vachesson and Lloyd Cushenberry. Absolutely love both of them. And here's Coach O talking about having two, count them two, number 18s. We taught those guys were great representatives. And I tried to give you all a, a little hint yesterday. I told you I had to put the number on the jersey. You all didn't know what I was talking about. Because we can't put an alignment. And 18, so at but 18, that's what I was talking about. And then uh, obviously Kilavon, Kilavon has done a tremendous job for us. Uh, he's going to represent us well. Houston North Shore School has been very us. This is a big, big recruiting uh, opportunity for us, and obviously, so I think he's going to wear it well. And I'm proud of. Him. I can't wait to see Coach O with two number 18s. Mind you, with Lloyd Cushenberry, he won't actually wear number 18. It'll just be patch on it because of like he said college football rules apply here and he doesn't he can't wear the number 18 jersey as long as he's an offensive lineman I, I definitely agree with that statement but everybody has their own opinion of the decision to have an offensive lineman be number 18 he can't be up on the arco equipment hotline 337 a lot of people have opinions on having two players wearing the number 18 and a lot of people have an opinion about why it should have been Joe Burrow everybody has that take and I'm down with it I get it but here's the thing it all comes down especially when you're thinking about a Joe Burrow to preference maybe Joe Burrow didn't want to wear number 19 maybe he is 
as Michael Scott would say, he's not superstitious, but he's a little stitious. So he can wind up not necessarily being all keen on wearing number 18 as a quarterback. He, he's definitely the leader of that clubhouse. But I feel like it also has a lot to do with what's going on with this program and the direction they're taking. Think about two of the weakest spots for the LSU Tigers last year. Wonder what they were? Offensive line, defensive line. Battles, games are won and lost in the trenches in SEC matchups. You don't believe me? Go watch the last few Alabama games and tell me which side won that ball game. The trenches for the Alabama Crimson Tide won that thing hands down, and they dominated. Tell me I'm wrong. One of the big things Cardell Thomas talked about after the Alabama game was the fact that he, he was saying for the next four years that offensive line is going to be better than ever and they're going to win ball games. If you don't have your lines in check on both sides, your offensive line and your defensive line aren't the one of the best in the conference, you're not going to Atlanta to play the SEC title game. You're not going to the college football playoff. You are going to the Fiesta Bowl, to the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl, the Peach Bowl, whatever. You aren't going to these big-name bowls like you want to. You won't be going to the Eye Bowl, but you'll still be going to a lesser bowl in comparison to what we've seen in the past with the LSU Tigers and the expectations of them being so high. You have to hit that bar consistently. A New Year's Six Bowl last year was great. We'd have to be part of that stupid Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl for the umpteenth time against a Notre Dame or something. We played against UCF, a team that had won 25 straight games. And UCF was coming in there riding high. I was going to say they're going to put up another quote-unquote national championship banner, and LSU stomped that out. Stomp that out. I can tell you that right now. They dominated that ball game, especially after Joe Burrow got his head rocked. The guy got back up and kept fighting. I think he definitely deserved number 18, but I understand why he put the put those jerseys, the respective jerseys, on those two guys. Caleb Chasson, undoubtedly one of the better players. He's making his comeback after getting injured in that Miami game. If there's anybody that deserves that opportunity, it's him. Number 18 belongs to Chasson. Of course, Lloyd Cushenberry, he was one of the representatives for SEC Media Days, and I feel like he definitely deserved it. Is he's not necessarily the the bad motor scooter like number seven is. Number eighteen is your culture guy, your guy who loves the culture of LSU, who embraces that. I feel like Cushenberry is definitely a guy that embraces that, and he's such a great personality in general, such a great guy to be around. Period. Because of the fact that he is an offensive lineman and just offensive minded, I absolutely love that part of him, and he's just great to talk to in general, and. One of the cool things is he talked about how Ed Ogeron was a player's coach instead of a coach's coach. He is a player's coach and wants to get these guys ready to go. And that was one of the things I loved about kind of SC Media Days was hearing these kind of takes from him because I don't necessarily go to Baton Rouge. I don't cross the basin that often to go to these like media events and cover LSU feverishly like a Dellinger or a Brewery Miller or a Brooks Cabina or – Jacques Doucet, I don't cover them religiously. Or because, well, we've got a team right down the road that we need to cover a lot more in the Louisiana Raging Cages, and they definitely deserve a lot more love. But guess what? What's making the headlines? What's getting the clicks? It's the LSU Tigers.
They're getting the clicks. I'm going to talk about the Cajuns a lot because guess what? I know what's going on over there, and we're going to talk about them a little bit further down the road. But in the meantime, we're going to go ahead and flip the script entirely, not talk college football, talk Major League Baseball with our guy, Chris Gordy. And I'll give you the details. We're going to have a lot of fun with this segment. Coming up next with Gordy, with Chris Gordy. I'm going to say Gordy Rush. This is a whole different show that he's on. We're going to talk some Houston Astros with him next because there's a lot of hype surrounding that franchise. After a lot of big moves they made at the trade deadline, he's going to keep it locked right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Friendly reminder also, 11.40, excuse me, so used to having him on 11.30. 11.40, Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered Locked on Saints podcast. He'll be joining the program as well. Our weekly tradition continues. That's all right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Every time C.D. takes the mic is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Now let's get back to Under the Dome with C.D. on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com, live for the 237 Roof Studios. And currently, a little bit of empty air right now when it comes to getting a solid guest that I was looking forward to talking to, and that is, without a doubt, our guy, Chris Gordy. The man just is all over the place. Wasn't able to kind of get in touch with him. It is what it is. We shall carry on because there's a lot of stuff going on with the Houston Astros. I can talk about that just fine. Hopefully you don't mind my kind of just I'm a little fluster right now because I thought he was going to be ready to go. It is what it is. We'll just carry on as normal. But, of course, a lot of the things to talk about with the Houston Astros, and this just kind of came out in the last few minutes. In fact, right at the top of the hour. missed this part of the show. And that is for the first time in Houston Astros history. We have the league pitcher, Garrett Cole, Yuli Gurriel, and Jordan Alvarez all sweeping the pitcher, player, and rookie of the month honors in the American League. First time in Astros franchise history. And Cole and Alvarez took it back, repeating after winning. They respected awards in June as well, so definitely a lot of good things. We got somebody on the Arco Equipment Hotline. Let's see who it is. It hopefully it is Chris Gordy. What's going on? Hey, what's going on, guys? So sorry, I'm uh, I'm out here at a uh, Texans uh, training camp, sweating my butt off, and uh, just ran ran a little late here. But uh, glad I could uh, jump on with you guys. Exactly. Appreciate you coming on for just a few minutes, my man, Chris Gordy. Everyone, Sports Talk 790 in Houston also does some stuff. With Sports 1280 New Orleans, a guy just knows what he's talking about when it comes to Houston Astros. Might as well spend a few minutes talking to him about it. And, of course, the big trade deadline moves, getting Zach Greinke, Aaron Sanchez, who is going to get his start tonight, if I'm not mistaken. Definitely a lot of intrigue with this team. Seems to be the prohibitive favorite now at this point. Yeah, no, look, I mean, they were, you know, when the trade deadline was coming down and it was looking like they weren't going to make a move, 
you know, I tweeted out, I said, look, if they don't make a big move or get a big acquisition, I said, don't be afraid. You know, this team is still really good. One of the best teams in the American League, of course, sitting atop the American League West. But when they made the move and the news came down that it was Granky, I think everybody kind of had the, the same mentality. Okay, shut it down. It's over. Astros are going to win the World Series. Now, look, a lot, could, a lot could change from now and then, but certainly they win the on-paper game right now. I'd have to agree with you. They win the on-paper game right here, right now, just because everything is right on point. But, of course, I think obviously everybody's talking about that with Zach Grinke. But obviously they made some of the moves at the deadline with Joe Biagini and Aaron Sanchez. More so, just looking at Aaron Sanchez, is he going to be a guy that's going to wind up being a consistent part of this rotation in 2019, or are they just kind of kicking the tires on him and then they start utilizing him a little bit more in 2020 once they get him integrated into that system where we've seen a guy like Garrett Cole excel with the way they treat spin rate? Yeah, well, he's going to get every opportunity. I mean, Jeff Lemay talked about it yesterday. So this is a guy that I liked for a long time, scouted him, you know, when he was just a kid. So, uh, you know, he's a guy that they've had to rely on. Now, it's no secret. Sanchez is not having the best of years this year. I think he's what, like 3-14, and 14, something yep. ridiculous, ERA through the roof. But what they do like about him, and he's, is, you know, he's a guy who can touch 100. He's a guy who has great velocity. So, Hey, look, this, this coaching staff has worked wonders with pitchers in the draft, you know, on the staff that have struggled in the past. So I'm real curious to see what they're going to get out of him. But there's basically no promises with him. He's going to get an opportunity here to start. Um, you know, obviously they have some holes in the number four, number five starter spots. But, um, you know, we're bringing over Zach Greinke. Now they're just looking for that guy to be the number five. And so Sanchez is going to get the first pass at him. You know, you just look at the way the Astros have been playing as of late. Obviously, I brought it up before I had you on, and that was about the fact that you have three Astros players all sweeping the American League Player of the Month when it comes to Garrett Cole, Jordan Alvarez, and Yuli. What is it, especially with Jordan Alvarez, how much has he changed the landscape of this team since being called up, I believe, in what was it, like around June? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing. I mean, we look at this kid and go, is, is he really 21 years old? I mean, when you look at him, his body, his frame, I mean, he looks like a like a young poppy out there. I mean, that's the kind of presence that he has. And just his swing, the plate discipline, he's, he's playing above the age of, of 21, 22 years old. So, um, no, I mean, this kid has been phenomenal. We, we heard about it a couple of years ago when they, when they made the trade for him. He was a player to be named later coming over from the Dodgers, and ever since he got in the system, he started tearing it up from low A to 2A, all the way to AAA, and, and all year long we just kept saying, all right, when is this guy going to get a shot? And ever since he's come up, he's, he's really jumped on his opportunity. He's probably the favorite to win rookie of the year right now. Talk right now with Chris Gordy, part of Sports Talk 790 in H-Town, or also part of Sports 1280 in New Orleans. And you're at Texans training camp. Might as well just flip the conversation over to that because, of obviously, the Texans definitely seem like they've got some things together, obviously, now that Deshaun Watson 100% healthy, ready to go. What can you say about this Texans team and the expectations for the 2019 season based on what you've seen at camp? Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to come down to their offensive line. Now, they spent two high draft, you know, their first couple draft picks this year on offensive linemen, and both those guys have been a little banged up to get going, Max Sharping and uh, uh, Titus Howard. So we haven't really seen much out of them yet, but that's going to be the story that, you know, that tells the tape for the Texans this season is if they can protect Deshaun Watson, then they can have a really good year. If they can't, it's going to be a really long year for them. And, 
you know, as we know last year, Deshaun Watson was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL. So uh, I'll tell you this. I was talking to some people out there today, and they know the hornet's nest that they are walking into week one, having to play the Saints in the Dome on Monday Night Football. So uh, they know what's coming for them. But, man, if they don't get that offensive line shored up by week one, Cam Jordan and Marcus, Marcus Davenport are going to eat them apart. I can about imagine, my man, that's going to be the great way to start off the season. Texans and the New Orleans Saints to open up the Monday Night Football slate of games. But one more question before I let you go, a little lighter side. Notice your profile picture. I got to ask you, is that little flip in your Avi on Twitter? Yeah, so our, our hip-hop station in Houston, they did like a throwback week a couple weeks ago, and they brought in all the old-school Houston rappers. And so everybody from Mike Jones to Chameleon Air to Lil Flip, uh, Paul Wall, they were all coming through the studio. And so I, I, you know, I was running to go take pictures with them, and they're like, who is this <laughs> mid-30s guy running at us in the hallway? And it's like, you, you guys don't understand. This is the music I grew up on in, in high school and college. All right, so you brought up Paul Wall, Mike Jones. There was no zero in the house? What's up with that? Yeah, no, they've had zero was there. Um, man, it, it, the, the list of Houston rappers is endless. Bun B, um, I mean, they, they have a ton of guys who come through all the time, and it's always, like, starstruck to see those guys as opposed to some of these rappers that are – these new rappers today, I couldn't, I couldn't even name some of these guys. Exactly. I mean, you brought up all these guys, Chameleon Air, Paul. I'm like, you just brought me back to about the mid-2000s, back when I was in high school, like a sophomore <laughs> in high school, when Still Tippin' came out and Zeros the Mule came out. I got I got my brain that's all over the place right now, man. I can't thank you enough for coming on. We're definitely talking to you down the road. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're more than welcome. We're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break, and then we'll be back with a whole lot more. Of Underdome with CD. I gotta go out with some zero on that note because it's been a hot minute since I played some zero on this show or any other show, even on my personal playlists. It's been a minute. We'll be back with more after this on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 Game. Most sports radio shows go up to 10 on the amp. But Under the Dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These guys are 11. Now, back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station. 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com live for the 237 Roof Studios. Getting your weekend kick started off right as we kind of get ready for a lot of training camp talk involving the New Orleans Saints next with Ross Jackson. A little quick segment here before we kind of Wrap up the show in a nice little bow. What's, I usually try and book him for 1130, so it's a little weird not having this Chapa-style segment like locked in there like Legos. But like I said, with a lot of stuff that's happened today, it is what it is. We shall move on from it. But, of course, everybody's 
talking about one thing and one thing only. That is Michael Thomas. Well worth that $100 million, by the way. And some notes coming out earlier, just moments ago, in fact. Coach Payton and crew are currently at the podium. And Sean Payton announced that the Saints have signed Jaquiz Rogers. And then Fat Rob Kelly, former Tulane product, he is actually no longer with the program. He has now been he's been waived after kind of get a quick trial. But it's great to see Fat Rob Kelly get an opportunity to, to at least be in a Saints jersey for a hot minute. But of course, everything is revolving around Michael Thomas and the hundred million dollar deal he received. I'll say this, and this is the biggest thing I think that you can take away from this show, period. Bottom line is that this is probably the best thing for the New Orleans Saints' future. I mentioned it on the program a few weeks ago. Uh, Actually, I mentioned on 103.7 The Game a few days ago. Whenever it got signed, $100 million. This is the best thing to happen to the New Orleans Saints since Drew Brees re-signed and has renegotiated his deal since. I could see... Michael Thomas starting to renegotiate his deal to where he still gets $100 million, 61 of it guaranteed, but then he stretches it out to be able to help this franchise make headway and become a long-term player, probably spend his entire career with the Saints. But you got to think about it. Everybody wants to hate. There's a lot of different takes on it. I have heard several people say he shouldn't have gotten paid that much. A guy, Frank. He's basically put it that way. He shouldn't be getting paid that much. It opens up Pandora's box. I agree with that part of his take, is that it opens up Pandora's box. And in fact, that's my topic for this week's one last take. Just before we close up shop here on 1037 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one, or is it going to be the one that he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. I think this is a take some people will like and others absolutely will not, and that is about the New Orleans Saints and the state of things when it comes to the signing of Michael Thomas. because It has a greater effect than you think. And I'll tell you why. You got to think about it. A player, a wide receiver, a skilled player, $100 million, he's getting paid. You know how much of that is going to wind up making a lot of influence towards what's going on with those CBA talks? Those things are looming, people. And you know that you can have a lockout on your hands because of this kind of thing happening. Because of the fact that you're paying one player like Michael Thomas, $25 million a year, or no, $20 million a year, excuse me, five years. You're paying a player like that $25 million, and a player like a Michael Thomas does have a limited shelf life. Don't get me wrong, but guess what? I'd much rather maximize my profits, especially with a quarterback like Drew Brees getting ready to hang it up, and he's teaching. He's making sure the guys that he's with are learning the system and what am I talking about his guys? I'm talking about guys like a Teddy Bridgewater, like a Taysom Hill, learning the system and embracing what Drew Brees does day in and day out. I want to see that kind of guy on the field at all times. If I'm a Saints fan, I would love to. I love what I've seen from Michael Thomas. The guy's only dropped a couple of passes in his entire career. He deserves every bit of that $100 million, but it sets a dangerous precedent for the future 
of the NFL. Because you can about imagine now more players like an OBJ, like an Antonio Brown, like a Jarvis Landry. You can name several key wide receivers. Even Alvin Kamara is probably looking at this licking his lips because he knows how much he's worth to this franchise because he has helped bring back a balance of run and pass. A guy like him is going to be something to keep an eye on in the not-too-distant future. His contract negotiations are going to be very entertaining because you can you know that a guy like Alvin Kamara is going to want to get paid $100 million or more. Look around the league. Julio Jones is another prime example. All these guys are going to want to get paid the big bucks. They're going to want to see that cap space increase by a pretty decent percentage because of what Michael Thomas just did. It's great for the Saints, but could very well be bad for the league in a long-term aspect. You can wind up seeing a lockout in 2020. Now the XFL, they're rubbing their hands and wanting to see this happen. I know I was talking with our guy, Alan Michael, up in the Burke. I talked to him about this a little bit in depth, and he actually said possibly we have it be a 7-on-7 type tournament in the fall to keep people interested in the XFL in the fall. That would be intriguing, to say the very least. This is going to be something that you just need to keep an eye on. Because the CBA talks, a lot of stuff is going on, obviously. The 18-game schedule, moving preseason games, telling teams you know that they only can play in 16 games. It makes no damn sense what they're trying to do in the, in the negotiation tactics. This is something that could add to the add fuel to the fire and make this a long-term ordeal when it comes to the CBA. Ha, huh, that was a great take. I feel like that was one of my hottest takes. Straight fire. That's what we do here on 103.7 The Game. So hopefully you enjoyed that, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy what's coming up next, and that is our guy, our good brother, Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered Locked On Saints podcast. Talking New Orleans Saints, we'll talk about Thomas securing the bag. How disappointed we were. There was no second line. Nothing nothing special. And we'll talk about a whole lot more. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on a Saturday afternoon. Hopefully, you're having a great one so far. We'll keep it rolling on next and wrap this show up in a nice little bow in just a few minutes. From the preps, I gave it a uh, a ten, a ten to the pros, and everywhere in between. Let's get back under the dome with the world famous CD on Acadiana Sports Station, one hundred three seven. The game. Welcome back to. The last segment of Under the Dome with CD right here on the Indiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. And quick heads up, the more of the NBA schedule just leaked moments ago, and one of those involves the Pels. This is coming from Shams Charanya of The Athletic and also part of the stadium network. And I have to say, I absolutely love this. The open of the season, the Battle of Los Angeles with the Clippers and the Lakers facing off against each other, and then the Toronto Raptors and the Pels. Cannot wait for that to open up the season. As to the fact you've also got the Pels and the Lakers the night before Thanksgiving, the Pels will be part 
of Christmas Day action. So it's safe to say, I talked about this earlier in the show, that Zion Williamson is truly helping this franchise get on another level in terms of notoriety. I can't wait to see what this franchise does going forward. But of course, we need to move over from what's going on in the Big Blender to what's going on in that big dome up in New Orleans. And we're talking about, obviously, the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. And to do that, we're going to go over to the Arco Equipment Hotline, talk with our guy, Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered, on the Locked on Saints podcast right now, once again, on the Arco Equipment Hotline. What is going on, my good brother? Hey, man. Glad to be with you again this week. I'm loving the Pelican schedule so far as it's going on. I'm loving seeing it. Oh, same here, man. Same here. And usually we, we don't talk about where you're live from, but I'm going to bring it up right now. You were probably live on the tarmac right about now. You just got off the plane, man. And you were in New Orleans recently with one of the training camps that happened. So give me your thoughts on what you observed. I believe it was yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I was down there yesterday just checking out camp and everything. And, you know, it's Friday, and traditionally Friday for Saints camp is red zone and goal line day. So there's a lot of that kind of work. And, you know, uh, the defense overall won the day. So they ran three fewer wind sprints than the offense, which is usually a trade-off. But the big thing that I took away from watching the red zone drills right now is that that first-team offense, uh, Drew Brees and Jared Cook, is going to be huge in the red zone for the Saints this year. Uh, That was something that, in terms of the receiving capabilities that they had on the offense uh, in 2018, that they had a little bit of trouble with. I mean, you've got Michael Thomas that you can always go to. Alvin Kamara is very effective in the red zone. But two of the new additions that the Saints have this offseason are going to be huge for them in the red zone in 2019. Of course, Jared Cook being one, but another being Latavius Murray, who's great within the 20s. So right now with Ross Jackson, All Saints Consider Locked on Saints podcast, and one of the big news coming out of today, Sean Payton announced earlier that Jaquiz Rogers has been signed to the franchise while Rob Kelly, or should I say Fat Rob Kelly, getting <laughs> waived. Definitely a little, a little disappointed, to say the least, to see Rob Kelly get get waived so quickly yeah i i didn't i I'm, I'm disappointed to see it happen as quickly as it did he did get injured and you know injury concerns are, are are a big thing with rob kelly over the course of the last few years i mean he was supposed to be you know one of the top guys in washington last season and then of course got hurt and was never able to really bring that to fruition but uh you know he had a little injury yesterday he had to walk off the field with a head athletic trainer he was back today but not really enough for what they were looking for and so they ended up bringing bringing in Jaquiz Rogers and I think you know Jaquiz is you know, five foot six he's a bit of what we would call a diminutive back which is a phrase we used to use all the time talking about Darren Spools but he's somebody that much like uh, Theo Riddick who the Saints missed out on he's mostly outgained himself through the air as opposed to on the ground throughout his career and so he brings a little bit of that pass catching specialty which seems to be really important for the Saints in that third running back competition so far. You know, Ross, of course, now we got to jump over to what everybody's been talking about over this week. I mean, since Wednesday, it became official like a referee with a whistle. One, I'm disappointed that we did not see the grandiose entrance that we were talking about last week with the second line with Michael Thomas after securing the bag. $100 million over five years. What was your reaction to seeing that contract become official? I want to say first, I think we had a really good idea there. I think our, our idea was solid. 
in terms of getting him with the second line, the big entrance and everything once he got his first once he got that new contract. I was disappointed to see him not doing. But I love the contract. I mean it's pretty much what I expected, pretty much what everybody expected. You know, they give him the twenty million dollars. It has a little bit of a structured deal to it in terms of some uh, some escalations as well as some incentives. And so, you know, it really kind of looks more like a nineteen and a quarter, nineteen point two five million dollar contract per year, which gets it around ninety six. And then there's those incentives that get it up to a hundred million dollars max. So uh, I'm, I'm about it in terms of what they were able to do to get him there in terms of being able to end the holdout and then get him in practice, Michael Thomas. And, of course, he hit practice and then immediately didn't look like he missed a beat at all, looked fantastic, and uh, you know spent some time after his first practice getting some extra reps in and everything. So he's still very much that same guy bringing in the work ethic. He was working off to the side yesterday with Drew Brees while they were doing some special teams drills. He, Drew Brees, Teddy Bridgewater, and Ted Yen were just working on sort of the nuances of route running and things like that, head fakes, all that kind of stuff. And so it was really cool to see them jump right back into that rhythm. And you can already see that the communication between Drew Brees and Michael Thomas definitely hasn't faltered at all. One of the highlights from yesterday was a touchdown pass to Michael Thomas in the red zone to where uh, Drew Brees did a really great job at looking off Alex Anzalone, who vacated his zone up the middle. And Michael Thomas, who was running a hitch option route, hits his hitch and then knows exactly when to break toward the middle of the field to the vacated space. And then Drew Brees is able to find him there because they know where each other is going to be looking and where each other is going to be at any point on the field. And that kind of chemistry and that kind of uh, that kind of communication is really hard to just kind of create out of nowhere. And so being able to get him right back onto the field as quickly as they did and ending that holdout was really important for this team. It was absolutely important, especially now that Emmanuel Butler, looked like he was nicked up a couple of days ago, hasn't mm-hmm. been in practice for a minute. Because it looked like everything was kind of going right with him, even without you know your boy Mike Thomas not being there. But just looking at the Mike Thomas deal, this is something I talked about last segment. It was about what this means, not as much for the future of the Saints, but the future of the NFL, because this puts the CBA that's being talked about and being bancied about as another kind of log on the fire that is the CBA. You can see this wind up putting another cog in the wrench for this. This could be interesting to see what happens with their plans for the CBA with a $100 million deal for a wide receiver mm-hmm. because you know you know everybody is talking about all the stuff. Like, it's just been amazing to see what's been going on. Yeah, it creates a huge ripple effect. I mean, of course, what we always talk about is that you know, Michael Thomas's $20 million a year max contract is going to only get boosted very soon. Julio Jones has his contract coming up, Amari Cooper, Tyreek Hill, all these guys eventually, uh, DeAndre Hopkins potentially as well. And so all of those definitely, you know, he creates a ripple effect for that. But even outside of that, you know, once you get four or five, once you get four or five guys, in that $20 million a year average, then all of a sudden that starts backing up things like the transition tag, the franchise tag. It just becomes really tough at that position to make the moves that teams usually like to make to try to hold on to their star guys one more year longer. And it's going to also affect things like fifth-year option and stuff like that as well. And so, you know, because it just it just pushes the ceiling for overall contracts just getting higher on an average per year basis. And so it just has a big ripple effect. And so it will be interesting really to see what happens with the CBA because you have that happening and then of course you also have the running back holdout situation that has been you know permeating a bunch we saw Le'Veon Bell we've seen it right now with Melvin Gordon who's gotten to the point where they're even trying to get him traded Ezekiel Elliott's still in the middle of his holdout he's in Cabo right now and then eventually for the Saints Alvin Kamara next year is going to be up for his contract as well when when it's eligible he's going into his final year and he's eligible for his extension so I imagine the Saints are going to do everything that they can within their power to get him re-signed as quickly as possible and extended as quickly as possible as to avoid the same type of holdout situation 
that they had with Michael Thomas, but perhaps to even a greater extent because of his position and the type of wear and tear that you take at that, at that running back position. Exactly. It's all right now with Ross Jackson of All Saints Consider Locked on Saints podcast. I have to agree with you. Definitely a lot of wear and tear at that position. But it's safe to say when you just look at what Alvin Kamara has done in the last couple of years of his career since being part of the Saints, a lot of that has been held because of the fact that he has a guy like Mark Ingram to bring that balance to the force, if you will. And we just look at what Alvin Kamara now with Latavius Murray. What's your big observation on that? Like, How much of this, what's a pie going to be divided like with these two running backs? I imagine that it's going to be a little bit between. So, if, if, if just for the sake of this conversation, let's say that the split between Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram was fifty-fifty. That's not really true, but just for the sake of making this conversation a little bit easier in terms of figures, we can look at it that way. With uh, Latavius Murray coming in, I don't think that Latavius Murray comes in and gets the fifty percent share that we just gave to to Mark Ingram. I think he gets something that's a little bit more like a thirty percent share or you know half of what Mark Ingram once had. So that would probably give you a split around uh, let's say thirty percent for Latavius Murray and maybe seventy percent for. Uh, for Alvin Kamara. And then, of course, whoever your third running back is, depending on garbage time snaps and things like that, uh, or, you know, forbid any reason that, you know, the third running back would have to hit the field at any point as well. And so I think that that's going to be a little bit more your split. I think that you're going to see a lot of opportunities for the Saints to use both Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray on the field at the same time, which they love to do with him and Mark Ingram. Latavius Murray shares that same kind of between the tackles running, falls forward a little bit more, has this, you know, has a little bit more speed than Mark Ingram has shown in, in throughout his career as well. And so there's a lot of kind of positives that Latavius Murray will bring to the field, but I still think that you're going to see a little bit more Alvin Kamara this year than you saw last year in 2018 in terms of his share of snaps. And I'd have to agree with you, especially because of the fact that you, Latavius Murray, you're not necessarily 100% sold on him being – that answer to kind of pick up where Mark Ingham left off. And I think Mm -hmm. Alvin Kamara brings a lot more to the table because of the fact that he is a guy that definitely can get it done with the screen passes and whatnot. You're not having to rely on him to be 100% of the bell cow with the carries. You're just going to be using him a lot more with those screen passes. But one more question for you, Ross. Obviously, you were there yesterday, and it just always seems like that place is hyped up. How much more so now that we finally got a taste of, like, actual – NFL football in our lives. Sure, it was preseason. Sure, it was the Hall of Fame game. But after a Falcons loss, like I'm sure that crowd was even more wrapped yeah. up. Yeah, not only did they lose, they blew a lead. Yes, they blew. They were <laughs> they were leading uh, with, and then they ended up losing. You know, with a minute twenty nine seconds left. So you know, it was exactly the way you want to see the Falcons, even though it's the preseason, even though it's the Hall of Fame game, which in a way is kind of like the pre preseason. Uh, that's exactly the way you want to see that kind of that team start off. You know, you could take anybody from that ninety man roster and then move them over to the 53 now in Atlanta because they know the game plan. Get a lead, blow it. It's pretty simple. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I think that you know when it comes to the attendance for training camp, it's been incredible. I mean, they're hovering right now around, I think it was John Hendricks that tweeted out earlier, that they're hovering around about 3,000 people per camp showing up. Uh, and that's just for training camp. And that was, you know, included a huge crowd yesterday, people standing the entire three hours of camp, standing in the sun, not even waiting in the, you know, the misted covered areas to watch these guys do red zone drills, goal line drills, and special teams drills, which, you know, to the average fan seems boring, but to a Saints fan who cares so much about who's the third defensive end, who's the fourth defensive end, who's the third tight end, who's the third running back. The Saints fans care so much that they'll stand, you know, 
we'll get out there for four or five hours and watch them do special teams drills because so many of those deeper roster positions are weighted on how much those players can contribute on the special teams uh, on the special teams unit. And so it, it's incredible to see, and you, you just feel the love all the time, not only from the fans yeah. to the players, but also from the players to the fans. They'll be in the middle of drills or just wrapping up a play, and they'll take a moment to acknowledge a fan that's either shouted their name or that they've made eye contact with. There's never really any any feeling like one party doesn't necessarily appreciate the other party. It really goes both ways, and it's a lot of fun. Ross, can't thank you enough for coming on, my man. Well, we will gladly be talking to you down the road because training camp is still going on, preseason right around the corner, then the regular season right before that. Appreciate you coming on, Ross. Hey, looking forward to talking to you again soon, man. Thanks for having me, and always a pleasure. All right, that was Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered Locked on Saints podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. And I'm out of here. Have a great rest of your Saturday, everybody. Under the Dome is turning the lights off inside the dome, at least till next Saturday. Hey, Clavis, wake up. The show's over. Oh, yeah. Kick it.